Welcome to another episode of The Underlay, a Clever Choice podcast, and we have a very special guest today. But first and foremost, joining me as always is Michael Roberts, GM of Clever Choice Flooring. How are you, mate? Mate, I'm uh, feeling quite educated this morning, mm. um, but mainly I'm bleeding blue. Yeah, it's a big week. Oh, massive week. Yep. It's been on, you know, it's been all over the radio, the papers, um, State of Origins here. I, I, I actually have started to enjoy State of Origin a lot more since moving to Queensland, being a New South Welshman. Me too. Yeah. Um, it, it, you know, we're the, we're the minority. Well, Greg Harvey keeps it real. He's <sighs> he's passionate footy. Is is there a is there a clause in the contract here with Clever Choice Podcast that we have to mention Greg Harvey every episode? Has he worked this into his uh, employment contract? I reckon the day before, because he texted me, you know, yesterday and said, Latrell's <laughs> out. And I think he's all over it. Like, within seconds, he, he's onto it. And I reckon he just drip feeds me information the day before the podcast, just so we talk about just it. Just so you're front of mind. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's, he's a very smart individual. Yes, he is. And uh, Cunning. It's, it's, it's why he's probably one of our lead, or is our leading salesman. Yeah, no. He's a good fella. So, Z... Hello. What side of the fence uh, are you sitting on? I must say, Matt, I'm loving the maroon shirt you're wearing right now. <laughs> yes, as a, as a Blues fan, I am wearing a, well, it's red. Let's say it's red. Yeah, okay. It's a red. shade of burgundy. burgundy. It's funny, the Queenslander sees it as of maroon. Course, of Absolutely. Course. That's all he sees at the moment. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, no, um, I've been in Queensland for over 20 years now. Before that, I was not in New South Wales, so I think it would be inappropriate for me to barrack for New South Wales. Look. I must say, every year New South Wales is the favourite. I know. Seems to be the case every year, but yep. every time I speak to a New South Wales man or woman, they're very, very nervous about the game. Very nervous. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I was. Ha- I actually had interviewed a, a a guy yesterday for another podcast. Uh, a, a really well-known Australian sportsman, uh, Greg Ritchie, ex cricketer. Right. Yeah. Oh wow. Um, entertainer. Uh, just a legend fella, and he's he bleeds maroon. Like he's Queensland through and through. And we had a really good discussion about Origin, and and he's got some you know very good mates that are very deep entrenched in the NRL, and you know Paul Vorton and and all these guys, right? So yeah, he was giving us a really good insight into sort of what happens, and 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 then he said, oh well, of course Queensland. I'm going Queensland, and then once we stopped the podcast, he goes, well, you know, I couldn't say it on the podcast, you know, because I couldn't. But I think it's going to be pretty close. <clears throat> you know, I think that the Blues, it's going to be good. It's going to be really tight this year. Uh, but I, I can't say that. I think, uh, you know, obviously you, you're passionate about who you support. Um, and I don't know why the Blues always end up being the favourite. Like, it doesn't matter what team they put together. Mm. It seems like they're always the favourite. Maybe there's just more punters down there putting, putting money into the... Uh well, into I the think, betting agencies. Yeah, you know? I, I, I think so. I might, well, I, I might think what it is, it's the perfect, it's that analogy of a team of champions versus a champion team. Yeah. And I think that New South Wales has always had a team of champions. They've always had a team of 15, 17 individuals that are in the top bracket of the play, best players in the NRL. And Queensland have always had a number of really, really good players, but they have these journeymen. Yeah. That fill the spots that yeah. when they play for Queensland, they're 10 foot tall and bulletproof. Yeah. And I think that's really why on paper they look and they go, well, New South Wales can't lose. But then <clears throat> invariably, 60 minutes into a game, you're like, we're going to get smashed. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's going to be interesting this year. I think it's it's as close as it's ever been this year. Yeah, it's great. Uh, yeah. Latrell's out. 
Mm. Crichton's in, mm. which I don't see as being too much of a um, an issue. Like, you know, Crichton literally won us a game last year. Yeah, it'll so. be interesting. He's a he's obviously a huge loss, Latrell, but yeah. you know, we'll be fine. It'll be okay. Look, this isn't a sports podcast, Mike. No, as it's much not. as we'd like it to be. <laughs> it's turning out to be one. So we've got Z from MGI Accountants, mm-hmm. and you are the accountant partner of Clever Choice. I am, and. Must be an interesting relationship. We, we we deal primarily with the business partners of Clever Choice in this mm. in this show. So yes. uh, it's it's interesting to get a, a clever perspective from from people working with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did the relationship come about with Clever Choice? Um, it would have been this time last year. Uh, I received a phone call yep. uh, from an employee of Clever Choice saying they're looking for some accounting help. Uh, in particular. Um, it's because the current owners of Clever Choice are Mandarin speaking, so looking for someone who can speak Mandarin, speak their language, but also deal with um, everybody else in the business who may or may not speak uh, Mandarin. So they're looking for somebody who can speak both languages. Hence, I was the chosen one. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, I guess it's language is important, mm. and I think that you need to be spe- like numbers are universal essentially, but communicating them is not. And I think that, especially with a company like Clever Choice, where Mandarin is an essential business tool. Yes, 100%. You need to be finding someone that can work within those parameters. Well, it's a skill within our industry, uh, within our business, sorry. Um, As Z said, you know, our owners um, are Mandarin. Um, We've got Cindy, who we've had on before, Mandarin. Uh, our suppliers all speak Mandarin. Mm. So if we're doing business um, and from the root source of our business, which is flooring, which is manufactured in China, um, which we're very proud of and very proud of, you know, our our culture within the company as being um, mixed um, races, um, that why not have business partners mm. that are also the same mm. that can communicate with all of our staff? Mm. Um, and not only does he speak Mandarin, but he does Aussie all right. Thank you, thank you. I I heard you had BMS insurance on yes pre- previously. I believe Stevens yes speaks yeah. Mandarin as well. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know Stephen? I've heard of him. I haven't dealt with him directly. Yeah, but oh, I've heard everyone's of heard of Stephen. He's pretty well known. <laughs> He's very very well known in the Chinese community. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he makes it well known. <laughs> no, he, he yeah. was. He's really good. He's another. You know, um, Mandarin-speaking business mm. partner of ours. So it's yeah, definitely something that um, you know was part of a skill set we were looking for when we were looking for account. But not the only thing. Mm. Um, obviously, you know, accounting is such an exciting um, field to be a part of. Yes, I saw the wink just then. Yes, <laughs> yeah, it's it is interesting. I must say the stereotype behind accounting has changed over the years. Um, it used to be, um, wasn't there a joke about? Um, you know, accountants are so, oh, the, uh, what was it? Um, it was an ad by an accounting firm where they showed this lady who was like, yes, one more deduction for this client. That's kind of <laughs> stuff that gets accountants excited. I must say most of the accountants I have in the office, you can't shut them up. Yeah. yeah. They are such people, people. Yep. Yeah. Uh, accounting has turned out to be such a people profession now, which when you think about it, it's, it's no surprise. Every profession is a people profession. Yeah. Yeah, because you're dealing with people. Yeah, uh, 100%. I think, you know, 
it's a good thing if you surround yourself with people mm. with mm. personality. Yeah. Um, and it's obviously the reason why your company is so successful and growing. Um, is because of the people you have there. I, I must say, it's a it's a brave choice to invite an accountant to, onto this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not at all. Well, yeah. my my dad was an accountant, so my dad was a certified mm. CPA, but then mm. uh, transcended that and and went into the corporate world and 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 worked for international business and blah 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 blah. Wow. And he was an interesting man. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, okay, he was an interesting man. But the old joke, I love my accountant joke about um, you know what to what do accountants use as contraceptive? Personality. There we go. Yeah. So I've heard that one before. <laughs> I have heard of that one before. Yeah, yeah, yes. I'm sure you have. And it's yeah. funny, it's like whenever you get a lawyer, there's always someone's got a lawyer joke, right? Yes, so yeah. that's right. It's accountants and lawyer jokes. So there's my one joke, boom tish, and we move on. Um, yeah, um, I knew you would have heard it before. <laughs> so, so, hey, tell us a bit about yourself, Z. Like, what's your upbringing uh, and ultimately what got you into accountancy? It's interesting. So I, gr- I grew up in China. I and y- you love this. Both of my parents are mathematicians. Um, so my dad, in particular, he uh, is very, very. He's he's at the top echelon in his field. Yeah, right. Very specialized area of mathematics. He got invited to the University of Queensland, which is why our whole family came to Brisbane. Yep. Um, so I've been in Brisbane for twenty-two years now. Um, I did high school there, then I did uni, during uni I did a uh, commerce IT degree and halfway through the uni I got a job in an accounting firm. I fell in love with accounting ever since. I must say over the last five to six years I've started to fall out of love with accounting Yeah, but I'm very much into business advisory now. Um, it's just because I've had just so much dealings with other business owners and operators that is just such an exciting field for me to be able to talk business with everybody else with a finance background, obviously, because I'm still an accountant at heart. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, and I'm sort of at that point of my, I guess, life and career when, when you've got a special field and then you've been in business a lot and you're surrounding yourself, obviously, you know, um, mentoring businesses or looking at their finances, it's sort of a natural evolution, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. For someone yep. with drive and yep. uh, I know the discussions we have, mm. um, you know, I don't know a lot about accounting, but I know when we talk, it's not actually about accounting. No. It's about where the company's going and how we're doing it and obviously you and your team then go back and do the accounting. Yes. But more for me, um, the time I spend with you is more about, you know, the business analysis. Yeah. The, the strategy, the marketing behind that strategy and which then works its way into sales, marketing, operations. And accounting and HR or IT is really just the support function for how the business uh, is growing, for how the business is progressing towards its, op- op- towards its goals. So, yeah. <coughs> so like you, I've also done some um, education. This morning I got up early and um, like most people nowadays, I did uh, a YouTube online course of accounting. Wow. You're so, an expert. You're an expert. Well, yeah. that's how people learn these days, isn't it? It's I'm, all on YouTube. I'm, all on YouTube. You I'm trembling in my leather shoes. Yeah. <laughs> so in doing that, I've now got some questions for you to oh, see, really? see your accounting knowledge, see if you're up to speed I've, with the YouTube experts. Right, okay. I didn't bring my engagement letter, but yes, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> so what I want is, what is the essence of accounting? What is the essence of accounting? Yeah. 
Oh, that is a great question. And the essence of accounting is to present numbers so esoteric that no one understands so we can charge our clients for it. <laughs> i tell you what, that's, the, that's a very honest answer. That is that is actually more honest than what, what answers I had. Oh, I had, right. I, I had what was some, the answer you had? I had some uh, ridiculous ones like, number one, count. Yes. Number two, record. <laughs> number three, summarise. Exactly. Number four, reconcile. And number five, analyse. Right. Yes. So... I can understand now why we're saying that, you know, accounts are becoming, you know, more personal because that was actually quite boring. Yes. Yeah, that sounds like a thesaurus. But I think think, uh, with every business that the unique – and we talk about this a lot, especially with our marketing discussions for Clever Choice, is that the unique selling point is always the people. Correct. Right? Mm. So I think that people buy people. So you might have the best product, but – without the best people selling it or without the best people manufacturing or without the best people doing the admin, then people are going to go elsewhere. Yep. So I think that you can be the smartest people ever, but people buy people. Yes. So mm. you need to have the right – I'm going to keep saying people. I'm going to try and break the Guinness World Record for saying people <laughs> in, in <laughs> the shortest amount of time, right? <laughs> but you've got to have the right people in the right places, right? So yep. I think that – and that's the perfect example, whereas the essence of accounting is A, B, C, D. Mm. But it's how you communicate that. And the fact that you come out and take have a bit of a piss take on it is perfect. Yeah, I, I automatically go, oh, I like that. Yeah. Whereas if someone goes, well, what's the essence of accounting? Well, we've got to count, then we've got to do this, then we've got to do that. And I go, I'm out. And you, know, you sound like an eighth grade maths teacher. <laughs> I'm done. Funny enough, like Z said, it was only you know over 12 months ago that we sort of interviewed, I guess, Z. Uh, and a couple of other accountants. And I'm telling you, most of them actually come out and said those five points, yeah. you know, to a certain degree. Like, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to do this. Z just came in and, be, you know, was being Z. Mm. And it was the main reason why, you know, we selected Z and, you know, MGI was because of who he is. Yeah. And, you know, what he brings and that, you know. People by people, absolutely. Abs- absolutely, 100%. Whether it's accounting, whether it's insurance, yep. or yep. Um, whether it's flooring, yes, marketing, yes, yep. absolutely. And not only that, I think it also from a from a smart perspective, I think that if if you're the right person, you sort of get a little bit of leeway as well, right? Because mm. Mm. if people are invested in the person, yep. then sometimes you do get a little bit of a a, a break. Because if you're just hiring someone, you can hire a computer or you can hire a, uh, you know, you could hire a, like all these AI factories that are just, you know, manufacturing stuff. You mm-hmm. can get that. Mm-hmm. But something breaks down, you just replace it. Yep. But if you've got a person that you're invested in and you have a relationship with them, you're more likely to give them a break, right? And, th- and whether that's a smart or a dumb business decision, <clears throat> right, it's human nature, yeah. So I think that if you're smart and you play your cards right and you're the right person and you put the work in, and eventually we're human, we're going to make errors, we're going to stuff up. Yep. People are going to give you a break. It's okay, Z. It's all right, mate. <laughs> we lost or, a million bucks this or, year. It's or cool. at least an opportunity. Exactly. And I think that that's where I, it's so important that, you know, the people buy people. And yep. I think you've – because you can get – you could get computing software to do it. Mm. You could get You could get people offshore to do it. You could get – People that just at the end of the phone to do it. Mm. But I'm all about investing in people. But they need to back it up. Absolutely. For sure. You know, like, and I said, you get that opportunity. You've got to earn the right. You've got to earn the right. 
you know, so you might get the opportunity, but you've got to be able to back it up. Yeah. And uh, I guess that's where, you know, Z um, over the last 12 months has helped helped us grow. Um, so let's dig in, you know, accounting. What What is it that you act like accountants actually do? Actually do. Yeah, yeah. Because I think a lot of people out there, you know, I think most people only know an accountant mm. once a year. Mm. Mm. Yeah, they uh, just do my tax. Just yep. get me a yep. refund. <laughs> now. Give me, yeah. <laughs> give and me give me, refund. you know. Get me a refund. Get me a yep. refund. Yeah. Yeah. I want as much I've as got, I I've can. Got, I've got no receipts. Yep. I've got no deductibles. Get me a refund. Yep. Mm. So how does that look? It's one of those things where unless you actually use the service of a professional, whether it's accountants, lawyers, or insurance brokers, or marketing professionals, unless you use their services, you don't know what they do. It just is the case. So for most people, if all they're doing is an individual tax return, that's what they think an accountant does. If you're a business owner or operator and you have you need your business activity statements done or you need an annual set of accounts prepared to deal with the tax office to talk to re- state revenue authorities, that's what an accountant does for you. Or if you are like, have a choice, you, you need budgets prepared, you need cash flow projections, you need financials, your financials analyzed to understand are you a margin driven business, are you a volume driven business, are you a price driven business, or uh, is your overhead growth in line with your volume growth, etc., etc. That's what an accountant does for you. So what an accountant does really depends on what the business needs are. But primarily, we deal with numbers, but as I said, the numbers are only there to support the growth of the business. So, so when the, I've been a salesman, mm-hmm. and the most dreaded time of the year for me as a salesman mm-hmm. was when the new budgets came out, right? Yes, absolutely. Now, and sometimes it just felt like the boss went, he's got a dartboard with a percentage, you know, one through to 70 Throw the dart. Okay, we want a seven and a half percent increase this year, right? What's the method behind developing budgets? Because I think that's mm. a, I think it from a salesman perspective, uh, I don't think that we salesmen are very often involved in the process of setting budgets. They might give some information should, about their territory or about their be. their customers, yes. That, yes. but I think they should be absolutely. What's the process of developing a budget? When 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 Michael comes to you and goes, okay, yeah. Z, we we need to, we want, yeah, you know, Michael no doubt says, well, we want to go, we want to grow one hundred percent in twelve months, Z, and Z goes, chill, Michael, right? And this is very important because, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> as per the meeting that Z had yesterday, <laughs> I've now got to redo my budgets yeah. um, by Friday. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm, I'm listening, Z, because thank you very much for giving me about a week's worth of work. So, but but it's, I think it's a I think it's a really interesting question about how do how do we go about developing these budgets? Yeah. How do we pull the numbers out? Yeah, yeah, and and look, um, my view is probably going to be different from most accountants' views. I think in terms of the budget, you really got to start from the strategic direction of the business. So the strategy of the business should drive everything else. So strategy, business strategy drives marketing strategy, which then drives everything else, is my view, which would include the budget. And so if the business strategy is one such that the business needs to grow rapidly for whatever reason, then that's how the budget's set with regards to, in particular, sales. 
And but then I absolutely agree. The sales team should have an input on what that uh, amount is, because you anyone could say, yeah, exactly, seventy five percent growth in the next year. But what does that mean? That means um, that might mean we need to expand into a new area. That might mean we need to be given more resources in this area yeah. in order to do that. So all of that's got to be factored in in before the final budget is developed. I have heard of businesses that just do a budget based on, oh, here are last year's numbers. We want 17.5% yeah. growth. We just drag it out on this Excel spreadsheet. Here's the budget. And and that tends to get the team offside very well, much so. Because I think that with, if, if there's an, if there's a, say you're going, we want to go uh, 20%. For 2025 or 2024, uh, the year 2024, we want to we want 20% growth in clever, right? Just picking a number, right? Sure. How do we get there, right? So it's like, okay, what what are the things we need to put in place? Do we need to hire people in order to get there? So when we look at budget, do we look at it as a as a, a numerical figure, or do we look at it as a profit margin thing where we have a growth in profit instead of it being an end number? Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, because yeah. because it's very easy to go. Well, we're we're at we're at four million dollars this year. We want to get to six million. Yeah. But in order to get to six million, we're going to need to hire four staff, mm. and we're going to need to do this and, and invest yep. in this and invest in that. So yep. the profit margin is dropping a bit. Yep. To get to six million. Sure. So do we look at it from a from a gross profit perspective, or do you just look at it as a as a figure? Yeah, again, I, I think that comes back to business strategy. If the strategy of the business is market penetration, for example, where you want to have certain, you want to build a name for yourself in the market, that might mean for a year or two, you can sacrifice profit in order to grow the sales team, in order to grow your market share. But if the business strategy is that the shareholders want X percentage return on their investment, that's gonna mean the budget's going to be set very differently with regards to how many new team members you could hire, what yeah, resources could be given. Again, I think that comes back to the business strategy. It's not a, an accountant sitting in a dark room somewhere dragging the, yeah. some numbers on an Excel spreadsheet. As much as we love that to set the budgets that way, that is not going to work in the real world. And I guess that's, that's interesting because... Um, I guess when you, if you're just looking at the accounting side of it, mm. and I know a lot of, you know, even just husband and wives or, you know, they've got one person who's just focused solely on the money. Sure. The other person's got the dream. Sure. And that's main reason why I guess most marriages fail or clash is because they're so far separate. Mm. Um, and I guess businesses are the same. Yep. Um, you know, as, as I just joked before, you know, I know yesterday you had a, an accounts meeting and look yep. at just the figures. Yes. But now that triggers into a mm. whole business strategy meeting. Um, and I, you know, I'm a believer that they all got to work together. Absolutely. <coughs> because you can't just have a budget and then not have a strategy. Like you said, just a plus 17% and then go to the team and go, Oh, give me 17% more, but not give them any extra resources or reduce expenses or increase expense or or however that looks, um, I think that's a very important dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, so for us, um, when you're looking at the numbers, and it's an important part, and it's, it's also the main reason why I guess we work a lot with Z, 
is because it's not just about the numbers. It's then also about the business um, strategy, yep. Yep. Um, which is probably m- more important at the beginning than the numbers. Yeah. And, and again, um, every business is different, but the business strategy, again, then it is dependent on what you, you want out of life, really, quite often. Um, and I say that because we've... We have a client who's been in business for 30, 40 years. At the end of, you know, he's in his late 50s and um, and he's got no friends other than the friends he's met in, in business. And sometimes the friends you meet in business aren't friends' friends, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. For so, sure. again, it, there's no point working yourself to death if at the end of the day you're going to regret it. Yeah, for sure. So, do you... I can imagine that you work very closely with with the businesses that you you're aligned with mm-hmm. do you do you have to seek permission to have the hard conversations do you do you are you in a position to say that's unrealistic uh yes yep. because um again that's what that's i think <coughs> that's when the finance background that i have is really helpful in that the numbers don't lie so for example Quite often, uh, so we, uh, well, I work with a number of businesses that's grown significantly over the years, Clever Choice being one of them. Um, and sometimes, sometimes you, you you go from, say, two mil, I'm not, this is not Clever Choice, but sometimes you go two mil to four mil to 10 mil quite rapidly. And then you think, oh, okay, we can just go from Keep 10 going. mil to 15 to 20 quite easily. No, not necessarily. Sometimes you've, you've already picked all the lower-hanging fruits, uh, the next step is going to be a lot harder. And because I've seen that so many times, I, I quite often tell people that is the case. It's not that you can't be done, but there may be significant investments that needs to be put in, into it, both in terms of time and team members, as well as um, physical gear or warehouses or products ranges you need to investing in order for that to happen yeah and i guess there's the other side of the scale where you got large companies Mm -hmm. who are in a market where it's downturning Mm -hmm. that would have to be a completely different conversation on okay you've hit your top and i get i guess not every company can just keep growing Mm -hmm. there's Mm got to be a point where within Mm -hmm. some industries Mm -hmm. where you got to just manage people to a steady level would that be correct yeah so this financial year a lot of business owners have felt they told me this that it's a, it's a it's a year of consolidation for their business. So they may not have grown much compared to prior years, uh, but they're able to spend that time improving the business processes, improving the um, the management of the team, such that they're ready to step up again in the future years to come. I think that consolidation is is important. I think that especially if you're ready to go to the next level or you mm. think you're ready to go to the next level. It's the old adage where especially a lot of small to medium businesses uh, spend way too much time working in the business instead of working on the business, mm. which is where I guess uh, people at UZ come into to help. And I think that what the I think one of the smartest things that Clever does is they don't pretend to be experts in everything. So they hire people and they bring people in to help them. And I think that you could easily bring stuff in-house and pretend to be the experts in it. But I think that you're wasting valuable time and resources that way. I think you're better off having 
outside contractors, similar to what we are here at Straight Up Digital, yep. what you are at MGI, mm-hmm. and let them do it. And that way we're, we're accountable. Whereas, again, if you're involved in the business and you're in, in the business, well, eh, there's a bit of an attachment there. Like, mm. you know, to be honest, Z, like you and I, we're not we're not too far away from Michael going stuff off mm. if we don't do the right thing. So we're we're really performance based. Yep. So I think that there's a vested interest in giving the right advice. Yes. And I think that that's where I think that's one of the smartest things that I think Clever does is that they go, look, we do flooring, we don't do accounting, we don't really do marketing, you know, and I think we don't really do logistics, yep. right? We've got people that are experts in those fields to do that. Mm. I think mm. that's a really smart thing. And I guess, um, you know, for us, it, like you said, that you are on a on a scale of, you know, perform um, because obviously ultimately you want to grow your business. So the better you perform for our business, the more we grow, the more in turn we're probably going to spend with your business in the future. And I guess the same is um, with Z. Mm. Um the more that we grow and the more that he helps us, you know, do that, then obviously the more accounting we're going to need because we've got more money, hopefully. Um, so, you know, I guess having right business partners, and you said, you know, I think we've mentioned this before, that staff sometimes will just tell you what you want to hear because they want to keep their job. Mm. Where, you know, business partners actually tell you what you need to hear mm. because they want to grow their business. So there's a lot more, I, I feel, an, a level playing field. You know, when I'm sitting in a room with Z or you, Matt, or, you know, our business partners, we've all got the same agenda. We want to grow our business. You know, we're not fearful of being fired or anything like that because at the end of the day, you know, Z's advice, like he said, numbers don't lie. Mm. Sometimes I just need to be belted over the head to say, <laughs> <coughs> this is how the numbers got here mm. and this is what we need to do to make them look better. Um, so I actually got one question for you, Z. So you're growing businesses, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's turnover and there's profit. Mm-hmm. Do they both have to grow or align with each other to grow a business? And I think, you know, for people out there, you know, some smaller family businesses, again, they're, they're looking to grow their business. Mm-hmm. Can you, can you run at a loss? Like you hear people, you know, the company runs at a loss. Is that a bad thing? And I'm going to sound like a broken record. It depends on what the business is trying to achieve. So, so in, in the earlier years of a business, typically runs at a loss yep. because it's trying to gain the foothold in the market. So it's going to spend on marketing. It's going to spend money on hiring people. who, and, and that you don't see a return on those investments. Unlike, doesn't matter what the profit and loss statement tells you. You don't see a return on those investments sometimes t- till year two, year three, year four. And because the the, the market's going to take its time to get to know your business and the people is going to take time to grow and develop into the people you want them to be. So, you know, you hire someone and they're only going to do 20, 30% a, a good, as, as good a job as you do at the start. But if they have the, if they have the potential and you put in appropriate training strategy, quite often that they become 70, 80, 90%, sometimes they become better than you in in what you do. Um, so that return on investment uh, may take a few years to realise. So it's okay to run at a loss as long as we know why we're running at a loss. Um, I think that is that is the key. 
and sometimes we may, um, you know, some we may have accounts or clients or customers we're not making a profit on, but that's okay as long as we know the reason for that. It might be we see huge potential in them that in time they will become a profitable customer or client, or it might be they're really good referrer, and we know we're going to have more referrals from them. As long as we know why, that's the key, I think. Mm. It, it's interesting, isn't it? Like, um, you know, we all we all want to grow, um, and I guess shareholders, if there is shareholders, if mm. it's not your own business, then also want to see a profit. Yep. Um, but a profit can also hold you back. If your only goal is to seek profit, um, then sometimes you've got to reverse your strategy and then create a different strategy where maybe you're not spending as much to grow uh, to pull out a profit. So mm. I think that's also, mm. you know, important for the business to know, you know, what what is important. Yeah, that's right. And sometimes if you're not spending as much to grow to, to seek a profit, that might work for a year or two, but may not be a viable long-term strategy for a business. Um, and and it, again, um, depends on what you're looking to achieve. So if someone's looking to sell the business in three years' time, they may have to uh, stop spending at some stage in order to show a profit to present the, goop, the books in a way that that's appealing to a buyer. But if you're looking to be in business for the next 20 years, stop spending right now is not a viable long-term strategy quite often. <coughs> okay, so that's interesting. So it also depends on the point of where your business is at. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, the other thing, I guess, is is loans. So how does accountancy, like, you know, I know that businesses throughout um, their cycle, especially growing businesses, mm-hmm. need to get loans. Yep. Um, so how does that come into, again, if you're, say, not profitable, but you're spending a lot of money and then, you know, you've got to present to the bank, how do they see, you know, that and have confidence then that they want to invest in your business? Yep. Bankers listening to this won't like this, but in my <laughs> experience... <laughs> Banks don't like that, and so what they'll do is they'll um, want to secure the loan against something, whether it's the director's personal guarantee, uh, whether it's um, someone's properties, home loan, um, their homes. So quite often um, the banks are just looking for security that they're going to get the money back. As long as they they know they're going to get the money back and they can sort of see you. You, you can service the repayments. Um, I mean, over the last few years, they've been quite willing to 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 lend money. Yeah. So, an interesting thing that um, actually part of the surf life saving um, mm. actually made me aware of this. I, n- I never really thought about it until I sort of become part of the committee at uh, Northcliffe. And we started discussing budgets and, you know, part of our role was to, I guess, uh, manage the funds and, you know, allocate sort of funds for the growth of, um, you know, the Surf life surf Lifesaving Club. And then I heard the word grants. Mm-hmm. Never really thought about it. Like, <clears throat> obviously, I knew they were there, but there's business grants. There's all these different types of grants that governments, you know, give out. Um but yet it's not something that obviously is advertised um, that you can take advantage of all these grants. And obviously COVID really then made it polarised that, you know, there's companies um, showing billions of dollars of profit. I think uh, Qantas was one of them. Um, billions of dollars of profit by grants. 
Um, how do companies know what grants are available to them? Um, you don't, unless someone tells you about it, really. And, this, and both federal and state governments don't really tell anybody about the grants that are available. <laughs> they don't. Um, so, um, so, I mean, there are, you know, spammy email newsletters you can sign up to that'll tell you about it. Um, um, but otherwise, quite often people find out from their accountants or um, from their friends at the pub. That's how they know. Um, otherwise, you don't because the government does not put any money into marketing to uh, to publicize the money they're giving. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Because you think they'd want you think they'd want some uh, you know kudos for absolutely, for, but it, it's it's yeah. almost like uh, it's almost like they want they want it known that they're giving the money out. They don't really want to give the money out. It's I don't know. It's yeah. like, do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's yes. it should be on the front page of, of somewhere saying, yeah. business grant. You know, five thousand yeah. dollars for X. Yeah. You know, for one thousand businesses or whatever it is. Yeah, and that way people go, oh, you know, the government, they're not as big a dickheads as we think. <laughs> but they're just terrible marketers. Yeah, well, they are. They need, like, they the need amount a of money team. that they spend on you know these um, campaigns and mm. they can't afford marketing, mate. Like at the at the end of it, I still don't know what they're trying to tell me. You know, like yeah. straight up digital, you should be hitting up these pollies mm. because I can tell you they they've, they've got a big budget. Yeah, they got they got, ma- got great accountants. Budget. They got great accountants working for them. Well, they only have a big budget right before the election. That's when they'll spend all their marketing yes. money uh, during the term in which they govern or not govern. Yep. Quite or quite often they're quite stingy. Yeah. On yeah. the marketing budget. Yep. Um. So, what are some basic grants like? You know, for our listeners out there that you know, again, they're small small businesses. Mm. Um, what are some basic grants that they should be looking for or looking to take advantage of to to help benefit their business? Look, you, if you're um, doesn't matter what state you're in, this every state's government website actually has a list of grants that are available, depending on your industry, depending on your size, depending on the number of people you have, your turnover. Um, go to those websites and we'll check it once a month, something like that. So they do change? They do change. For example, at the moment in Queensland, there is a specialised equipment grant. If you're looking to purchase a piece of equipment, man- mainly manufacturing, that's that costs more than $83,000. The government will pay 60% of it. Wow. But you need to uh, put in the ex- expression of interest, a full application and pitch for it. So it's not a simple process. And the government, uh, to your point, Matt, does not really want to give the money out. They just want to be seen to be giving money <laughs> out sometimes. Um, but again, there is funds set aside for that. Uh, but my biggest tip would be for everyone to go to the websites once in a while yep. just to see what's available. Um, look, uh, as a business, we uh, we do spam our clients with uh, new grants that are come out. So if, if, if you're on our email list, we generally send something out every month because every month there is some grant that comes out, either federal or state, yep. that might be relevant for some clients. It won't be for all clients, but that might be relevant for some clients. <coughs> so it's also an advantage of having a good accountant who keeps you up to date with with all those things. Uh, I know it's something obviously you work with our team um, with. And I guess the other thing other than grants is legislation. Um, 
obviously there's laws and you know changes in laws as well yep. and again you know it's something that i don't know i don't know what laws we have you know what we can write off what we can't write off um can we run insolvent you know mm. all those type of things so how often you know is legislation changing for accounting or is it quite stable is it is there not a lot of i guess fundamental changes um we uh, at the moment um we train our team internally maybe once every one, uh, two or three months on all the updates, and the updates go for two to three hours each time. Wow. There is quite significant change in terms of tax and accounting legislation. Um, the issue is a lot of that are not applicable for most people. So for for our team, we need to know pretty much everything in order to think of the specific clients on whom that particular legislation is going to apply. So things like, but you know, there are things like such um, instant asset write off or full expensing that's going to run out at the end of next month, end of June. Yep. Um, from one July onwards, you, that's going to go back to twenty thousand um, dollars. So things like that has um, applies to most businesses. But there's a lot of legislation that apply to just um, businesses in specific industries. Um, that's why there is a lot of updates um, always, but you don't hear much about it because the media doesn't think it. it, it most people be, are interested in it. <coughs> yeah, interesting. So really, you've got to keep up to date with legislation. Mm -hmm. You have to keep up to date with grants. Mm -hmm. uh, you've got to know your businesses. Yeah. Um, business coaching. Yes, yes. There's a, there's a lot more than just crunching numbers. Uh, it's um, uh, for me, I almost never crunch the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> I probably crunch maybe maybe twenty percent of my time or less is involved in crunching numbers. The rest of the time is about one understanding my clients, and I, I um, I feel I feel like I never understand my clients as well as I should. That's uh, that's the feeling I get always. Um, and two, it's about managing my team to make sure they do the right things by the clients. Um, and thirdly, it's about making sure everything that goes out to clients or everything that's communicated to clients are technically correct. Um, so those are the three things. And then I do some number crunching on the side, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> do you see, like, <coughs> there's people, like, when you look at these mathematicians, your dad, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, you know, top of his field. Of, is it true that you just see number? Like, can you just look at a page of numbers and you just see it? Like, is it like a language? Sometimes, sometimes, but not always. No, I think the uh, the movies do dramatize it a little bit too much. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you know the mo some movies or TV shows about lawyers. They make it all seem um, very exciting. Yes, yeah, but most of the time, most lawyers that we know, you know, they're you know, uh, still in the office at ten p.m. at night <coughs> trying to draft a, uh, an agreement, which are very mundane because they do it hundreds of times every year. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's a lot of what you don't see behind the scenes yeah. that takes place that um, is the yeah. most important one. Yeah, yeah. The front part's just all the glorified... Uh, <sighs> That's it. It's like Matt over here. Yeah. He's the front man. I'm all glory. <laughs> I'm all glory. Very little substance. Very little substance. So, Z, what about some just tips for... Tips for individuals. Yep, yeah, sure. Um, 
you know, to maximise wealth or, or mm. tax or whatever, mm. what, what are some of the, the questions you could ask and some tips you can give for some individuals? Yeah, and look, um, again, I don't see tax as a primary driver of anything. And, and to me, um, as my financial planning friends are going to love this, <laughs> if, if, if you don't want to think through your own personal financial plan, speak to someone who can do it can do it for you and that and it, you don't need to have a lot of money uh to speak to a financial planner who will be very willing to help you there are a lot of them out there and they genuinely care about your financial welfare that's 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 the job and that's what they want to do so speak with someone it it may cost a little bit of money but it's going to save you a lot of money in the long term um and once you understand what your personal financial strategy is again you Obviously, my perspective on life, you understand, very, very strategic driven. Uh, once you understand your personal financial strategy and then and then you would decide on your investments, um, once you understand that, then come speak to an accountant about how to best optimise the tax situation in terms of structure, in terms of borrowings, in terms of um, um, you know, where to send money where in order to... Um, uh, minimise your personal tax. So like the great uh, Kerry Packer said, it's not tax evasion, it's tax reduction. Yep. yep. Well, it's, all, it's all planning. It is. It's all planning. Um, yesterday, with the Clever Choice directors, you know, I spent about half an hour looking at tax planning for this financial year. Yep. So I think when, then when you go from an individual to a business, it's the same thing. Absolutely. Strategically plan where you want to go. Yep. Then we can, then we can look at the... Yep. the, the, the the implications down the track. Yep, yep, yeah, yep. And at the moment, I'm um, probably have maybe thirty or forty tax planning meetings lined up between May and June. So I've done maybe half a dozen. No, actually, uh, more than a dozen now. Got another twenty or thirty to go. Wow. Geez, it must be a busy time for you this time of yeah, year. Yeah, absolutely. In the, in the next few weeks. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People want a piece of you, no doubt, no doubt. Okay, so Z, working with Clever Choice. Yes. How do you find that? What, what's the highlights about working with Clever Choice? How do you find them? I look. I, I mean, not not because Michael's here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But <laughs> <laughs> he's pulling his phone now. He's pulled he's, the phone yeah, out. Yeah. Right, he's yeah, about yeah. to send that to everybody else. Yeah. Uh, um, I love working with Michael. I think. Look, I. It, it's rare to see someone so driven. I must say, and and Michael being the general manager, he's very much you very much treat it, it as your own business yeah yep. yep, you do and I, I said that to all the directors yesterday as well and they, everybody agrees you treat the business as if it's your own and yep. and, and you put your heart and soul into it and again like i just said before about matt you know when you're the front man i think you have to mm. uh or i believe i have to yep. you know i'm the one that's out here um being exposed um you know, we're, we're, we're the force that's speaking to all the customers. We've got a team. Um, you know, I've got 28, we have 28 staff mm. that, you know, I've got to make sure that have have an income. Yep. Uh, so not only, you know, are we obviously trying to provide a service, uh, provide products, um, but, you know, we've got a great team and we've built a great team and family and we, we spoke about family last mm. last mm. week. Um so it, it's why I am so passionate, mm. um, and you know I know the directors feel the brunt of of that um, because I'm I'm you know 
Every day I get up, I was up at 4.30 this morning doing my um, PhD in accounting just for this. <laughs> and um, most mornings I am up at that sort of time, like thinking about, okay, what are we going to do the next yep. day? Yep. So um, I guess for our business partners, I, mm. I try and do the same. You know, I want to reward, you know, your company's Eve with growth and straight up digital with growth and treat everyone, you know, like mm. we're we're all going to grow together. Mm. It's funny you mentioned that, Z, because my whole... Like, don't want to piss in your pocket because you're here though. But when I first started here, and you guys came on around the same time that I started here, yeah, I assumed that Clever Choice was your business for probably <laughs> six months. I was like, oh, that's Michael's business. Like he owns that business. I had no idea what happened just because of the interactions that we'd had, which weren't a lot. Like they were, I probably only dealt with you four or five times. Yeah, but I was like. Days. I was like, oh, that's Michael's clever choice. It's just his business. He's built this business. And mm. I was like, mm. so then when I found out, oh, no, it's it's not. He's the GM. I was like, oh, shit, okay, well, more power to him. So <laughs> it's it's you do give off that vibe that you do care a lot, that it is your business. And I think it's sometimes a little crazy, right? <laughs> sometimes a little crazy. Yeah. Right? Sometimes a little too far. And we know that. We've talked about it. Yeah. But, but you know what? I prefer to have someone go a little too far and be able to pull them back rather than having to try and drag someone along <coughs> yeah. to get to where you need them to be, right? And I think that – and it must be easy for you, Z, to work with someone that is willing to listen, mm-hmm. that is that is so passionate and they want to succeed that they're willing to look elsewhere for, for information. And I think Michael's the perfect example of, of someone who has enough ego but not too much. Mm-hmm. And I think because mm-hmm. you've got to have the ego to do it. You've got to believe. You've got yep. to, it's got to be about yep. you, but you yep. can't – you can't think you're the smartest person in the room all the time because I've had a lot of people, I've had a lot of meetings with people who think they're the smartest person in the room when they clearly aren't. <laughs> clearly. I had this discussion with my son just last night, mm. 17, and I said there's a difference between, he's, he's calling it confidence, right? He's got this whole thing, I'm confident, right, Dad? You know, I know, I know. And I said to him, I said, there's a big, massive, massive gap between knowing and thinking you know, mm-hmm. right? And you come across people who think they know, and like you said, ego generally drives that, or, you know, I don't call it confidence. Mm. Um, I said, it's fine. If you know, be 100% confident and stand by your conviction. Mm. Um, because, and I live by that. And I live, if I am confident and I've actually taken the time to, you know, listen to my business partners and then analyse the information then go into a conversation with an educated opinion, then yeah, 100% I'm confident, you know, he is most certain wins, right? Very common. But if you think you know, and you're going in with no background, no information, and you're just certain on a whim, you're going to get shot down every day of the week. Mm. And you're going to most of the times come out with egg on your face looking Mm. like a fool. Mm. Um, and I think that's an important message I try and, you know, really portray. And, um, and like you said, Matt, you know, leading from the front when, you know, you got business partners and, you know, and I do lead from the front. The most important thing I try and do is then get my staff or team to lead from their position so I don't have mm. to, you know, carry anybody. Mm. And I think that's an important part when you're, mm. you know, mm. got a good team mm. and got good business partners that mm. everyone's, pushing the mm. next person mm. and i feel like my whole team's pushing me to the mm. front you know mm. all the time mm. so then i owe them to lead you know and be that step ahead 
Because um, I've been with people and I've worked with people who you are dragging along mm. and it's a lot of weight to carry. Mm. Mm. And the other thing I love about Clever Choice is your attitude towards customer service. That it's, it's tremendous. You really care mm. about your customers. And, and so I see that both in meetings with Michael and Rishi as well as with the directors. Yeah. Everyone really care about the customers, which is tremendous. That's, you know, that's how you stay in business. That's how you prosper in business. And we're in an era now where it seems customer service, like QR code is now customer service. Mm. When, when did that just come in and, you know, all of a sudden you walk up to a bar, they ignore you for 20 minutes thinking, what's this 45 year old man standing at my bar for? Then they finally you get an eye contact and they go, what do you want? I'm like, I want to order my food or order a drink. Well, why didn't you use the QR code on, you know what I mean? Like that's mm. in an era that we're in now. You know, if I wanted to use a QR code, then I would. I came to the bar because I want to have an interaction. Yep, that's it. You know, yep. um, but yeah, it's <laughs> it's not that hard to be nice to people and care about your customers and your clients. Like, I think it's just as easy to care as it is not to care. Mm, mm, mm. I, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I hate it when I speak with people and they say, oh, I built this really low-touch business to make sure, you know, I, <laughs> people don't talk to me, but I know I'm still going to make money out of it. I hate it when I hear that. I love being high-touch. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. want to talk to people, to understand what, you know, what what my customers think of me, what my customers think of uh, their customers or their suppliers and what their competitors as I said, I never feel like I know enough about my clients. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's important. Uh, Sean and I, uh, Sean, our mm. managing director, uh, and myself jumped on a plane, um, or a couple of planes in the last couple of weeks and flew into Adelaide, got around with a couple of our customers down there, then flew over to Melbourne, uh, spent some time there with our customers. I'm heading to Sydney in a week. Uh, I get up the far north Queensland three, four times a year. So... You know, as much as I might be the, you know, managing um, MG of the company, me, the most important and the um, exciting part of the business is actually getting out and talking to the customers. You know, that's what excites me. That drives me. Um, you know, being stuck in an office doing the day-to-day -day grinds doesn't excite me at all. Like I, I put in the extra hours to try and get that done mm. so I can get out to be amongst the, the customers and um, I love it. Like, I, yep. you know, I love this. I love being, you know, in front of our business partners and like you said, the high touch. Yeah. Uh, and that's not me rubbing your leg, by the way. That's, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, having that, that like you said, h high touch um, is very important and it's something that will continue. Mm. Well, it's good to see. Clever Choice surrounding themselves with quality business partners and, and Z and MG Accounting is another one that we've had in the panic room. Yeah. I reckon that's a really good spot to leave it. So, Z, thank you so much for your time this morning. You're welcome. Yeah, and thank you, you for inviting me. You can go and spend 20% of your day crunching the numbers uh, absolutely. now. Absolutely. I'll go do that right now. Yeah. Michael, well done as always. Yeah, thanks, Matt. And okay. go the Blues. Go the Blues. And uh, thank you for listening to The Underlay, and we shall see you in another couple of weeks. Bye for now. See you later. Thanks for listening to The Underlay. If you want to hear more, follow us on all good podcast platforms.